Stuart Copeland isn't a one-trick pony. In fact, when he joined us on Inside Music Cast four years ago, we spent nearly an hour and a half talking about his various journeys in the world of music and barely spoke about his tenure with the police. From opera, avant-garde, classical, jazz, pop, rock, reggae, to other forms of world music, Stuart Copeland lives for musical exploration and the quest for continued knowledge. A brand new project is in the works that has found Stuart collaborating with some incredible musicians, including Vittorio Cosma, Adrian Ballou, and Level 42's Mark King. They call themselves Gizmodrome, and we're honored to have Stuart Copeland back to chat about this very cool project. Hey Stuart, welcome back to Inside MusicCast. It is a pleasure. Hey, you know, it's been uh, four years since you last joined us here in Inside MusicCast, mm-hmm. and we're so glad you're back uh, with us for another chat. And uh, the last time we had you on the show, we spent a lot of time, you know, really getting to know you and, and your career. And, and uh, this was also the time My that... My God, what did you find out? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go back to the show and t- yeah. <laughs> Let's just play the interview. <laughs> But, uh, but th- this was also the time that, you know, you, you had finished composing a project uh, called Gamelon to Drum. And uh, today we're going to focus on some current happenings in your world with, uh, with a focus on your new collaboration with uh, Vittorio Cosma, Mark King, and Adrian Blue, and that new uh, group you have called Gizmodrome. So to get started, you know, I want to I, I just touch on a couple of recent projects, the first being an, an opera you performed, I guess, just a few months ago in Chicago yeah. called mm-hmm. The Invention of Morel. And uh, this is your fourth or fifth opera-oriented project. Is that right? Well, yes. But uh, the best thing about opera is that I don't have to perform it. I get to sit in the seats there, <laughs> all comfy, and watch them put it up. Right, right, right. It takes, you know, it took, I think, three years to write the thing. Oh, yeah. And that was hard labor. But uh, come the night, I get to sit there and watch them do it. Well, tell us about this particular opera, uh, The Invention of Morella, and give us an idea as to, you know, your creative process and bringing it to life. Yeah, really. Well, it's kind of a sci-fi, black romantic comedy period piece. Okay. Okay. I'm not taking any <laughs> chances there. Um, it's uh, based on a novel, okay. a sci-fi period, uh, sci-fi novel, and um, it involves a guy on an island, the mystery island motif, you know. <laughs> he's uh, he's an escaped convict. We're not quite sure why, but he's a fugitive. Okay. And he's on this island, deserted island. Suddenly, all these people show up. And um, he f- at first thinks they're after him. And then he discovers amongst them, of course, one that he loves, a beautiful woman. And uh, <laughs> it's like he's trying to figure out what the hell's going on, which is the stuff of opera. Exactly. It's all very, um, you know emotionally driven but there's some sci-fi in there with morell's invention okay and it opened up in chicago yeah and had a pretty good run there as a matter of fact went down great so yeah that's great that's cool you know knowing how musically diverse you are you know um Stuart, and and how you enjoy exploring just so many musical paths um aside from gizmodrome you know which um we'll chat about in just a few minutes so what's next for you i mean it's uh you're moving from one musical creative platform to another where are you looking for in the near future well most of the time you try and navigate and Mm -hmm. you have maybe an agenda things you want to do and you line them all up and uh the last couple years has been pretty much going according to plan with the opera it took three years to write but i've also got my ben-hur thing that i do with big bad orchestras right you know they run the 1924 silent film Mm -hmm. while i blast away with the big orchestra (laughs) and my tyrant's crush show which is no movie just me and the big orchestra yeah and i've been doing that kind of for the last couple years but out of nowhere came this rock band thing yeah 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 right (laughs) yeah And that wasn't on my 
plan at all. Yeah. Um, I'm supposed to be the serious classical music guy. You know, I get to play my drums, <laughs> tinkle the uh, tinkle the drums with the with the orchestra. All very sophisticated. Right. But every summer, uh, for years, I've been going down to Italy just for kicks, and sometimes with my buddy Vittorio Cosma. Yeah. And sometimes we play with a little chamber ensemble. Yeah. Fancy music. Uh, sometimes we go with the wild tribes of Salentino and we play this pizzica music with the uh, the war tambourines. You know, they, wow. they call it, it's the, it's an, an, a, a festival they have there called La Nota della Taranta, the mm-hmm. night of the tarantula. Yeah. And um, sometimes uh, we just get a bunch of guys together and go and hit the piazzas. You know, shows in Italy in the summer right. are all either in the grounds of a, of a palazzo or a park or a piazza. They're all outdoor, these fantastic shows. Yeah. Just a great excuse to go there and play music. Yeah, yeah. That's so we've been playing under the name of Gizmo okay. for years there, just pulling some buddies together and doing stuff, hitting the piazzas. Uh-huh. But then we got a call from an illustrious Italian impresario mm-hmm. who said, hey, guys, there's this record company. I uh, would like to record it, make a record. Sure, why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so Vittorio had this idea what you know let's call adrian adrian blue well of course that's kind of a no-brainer yeah well if we're gonna go that high stakes let's call mark king Mm -hmm. and we immediately got on the phone around and it was within really within 20 minutes we were all hooked up and making our plans and heading down to milan (laughs) italy uh, to record a record and we were there for i think 10 days or something like that of just wild raging creativity and made pretty much two thirds of a record. Mm -hmm. And then we're very excited about that. But we had a couple of other tracks that we thought, let's throw those out. And we went back again the following summer and finished the record. And now before us, we have the Gizmodrome. Interesting. Interesting. Well, um, just there's a couple other things I wanted to touch on, but we do have a lot more questions about Gizmodrome. But I, I just going back to what Eddie was asking you a second ago about all the you know the how musically diverse you are and how you've you've really spawned off into so many different paths. But I'm just curious: are there any other areas of music that you know you've never explored that are on your short list? Something that you'd really like to get into? Maybe polka or something like that. Something you, <laughs> exactly. You know? I was just about to say, well, how about a little klezmer? <laughs> <laughs> But actually, I have dabbled in that. Yeah, I once almost ruined myself for six weeks dancing at somewhere on the Danube with the gypsies on a boat. See? You know, you're there on the on the barge, and you do a big fancy dinner, and then after dinner, all the waiters and cooks and everything turn into the band, and you dance on into the night. That's so cool. We read about that in the paper. <laughs> uh, you know, the last time we chatted with you. Um, you were just getting your studio, the Sacred Grove, into full swing. I mean, you, you've obviously had this, this studio for a while, but you shot these incredible impromptu jams with all of your music buddies, and, and you put those up on your YouTube channel. And I, I checked that periodically, and, and the last one that I saw was the one you did with uh, Ginger Baker. It was about a year and a half ago. And are you still going to be producing more of these, uh, these these jam videos for from the Sacred Grove in the future? Is that still on your radar? Well, I do, I do have some that I haven't yet cut. Okay. Uh, and I kind of do that in my spare time. Yeah. And um, there are, you know, Weezer came over here. Uh, they're, they're, I've got a few more actually to cut up. Uh, I had a big tragedy when a couple of the uh, the um, Rush guys came over. Oh wow! And I had the most incredible session. Uh, they were blazing, 
and then my hard drive died and I spent a fortune on you mm. know disk repair uh, services which couldn't revive it. Oh dear. But yeah, I do that occasionally. I've I've got actually a couple that I could I should post. Well, I'm glad we could help you re- remind you. But no, but no. I'm sure spare time isn't something you have a lot of. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> as busy as you say. Well, saying. no, as a matter of fact, um, sometimes when pursuing a greater mission, yeah, it will aid that mission to take a left and go do something else just for a minute. Right. Something right. recreational. Excellent. Like Absolutely. cut up a Sacred Grove video. Yeah. Exactly. Well, obviously, we were talking about, you, you touched on Gizmodrum, and we want to dive into that. And, um, you know, I, I guess you were kind, of, you kind of touched on how you guys formed. You know, they were basically just phone calls to, to, to Adrian and to Mark and, and, you know, from you and Vittorio. And so, but, but, why those guys? I mean, why, how did you choose uh, Mark and, and Adrian? How, were you guys working on something else, or, or where's the relationship there with those guys to begin with? Well, I had worked with both of them um, previously, and I think Vittorio had been dealing with Adrian in one way or another, and that was just on the top of his mind. Uh-huh. And in thinking of somebody that could fit in at first, we're thinking, well, I need – same problem I had 40, 30 years ago or whatever it was. Yeah. Let's see. Somebody's got to sing. How about a bass? Is, is there a bass player who can sing? And um, yeah. I found myself <laughs> in that odd position. But as when push came to shove, that bass player played so much bass that uh, I pushed my way onto the microphone and ended up doing most of the singing. That's right. Yeah. No, that's interesting. You know, um, Stuart, uh, why and how did you choose Claudio Dentist uh, to produce? Uh, had you worked with him as much as you did with Vittorio in the past? No, or? no, no. Claudio Dentist yeah. chose us. Really? Oh, okay. Well, no, he and Vittorio were over there. Yeah. And we've been, you know, Vittorio and I have been d- dabbling with this for years and sending tracks back and forth. And one day Vittorio came aboard over there in Milan. Yeah. And suddenly I got a track from Vittorio and, and uh, Claudio that just completely blew me away. And I was all excited to develop these tracks. So we were developing the tracks kind of anyway. And that's when Claudio came back and said, hey, I got a record company for this. That's oh, in, very cool. th- that's interesting. I mean, but with you know me, me, me and Rick have been talking, and you know, with you and these three um, amazing musicians in a room, were you sort of ever afraid that what you'd end up with? I mean, uh, I mean, there are no guarantees that this well, experiment would even work. Well, remember that the stakes were extremely low. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the whole purpose of Gizmo, uh, now Gizmo Drome, yeah, uh, was just to have a good time in Italy. And so, it, really, the gamble was whether or not we would have an incredibly great time down there in Italy. <laughs> and so, with that in mind, we didn't have much of a commercial agenda. We weren't trying to yeah. write the hit or yeah, yeah, you know yeah, any, yeah. any of that stuff. We just wanted to blast away, yeah. see what we could dig out of each other. Yeah, so there was no really apprehension of collaborating. I mean, you guys were just coming down, let's, let's play some fun, let's, fun music. Let's, let's have some fun. Let's fuck this all up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gee whiz. Well, Eddie and I have had opportunity to, to hear the tracks, and, and we just to let everyone know that the album doesn't drop until September 15th, but right. um, so we feel fortunate to have taken a listen. And, and I got to tell you, I didn't know what to, th- to expect at first, especially after I heard what you guys had released uh, on social media. Um, uh, it was Amaka Pippa. Is, is that is that the Nate title? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I, the more I listen, the more I just totally dig what you're doing. <laughs> I just, I, you know, just oh, from a, from a fan perspective, I just, I'm really digging it, and I've. I've listened to it quite a few times now. This is yeah. kind of a tough interview because it doesn't come out for, you know, the album doesn't come out for a while. So yeah, exactly. we're talking about it way in advance. But uh, 
but hopefully that'll uh, get some juices flowing with with our fans out there. So, <laughs> so um, what are the uh, tracks they sent you? Because um, we're still mixing that stuff. Yeah, I know yeah. they were listed as a pre-version, so we know that they weren't finished yet. Um, it was just a, it was just a like a flash player uh, that we were able to listen to. It was uh, "Stay Ready" was one. Um, Summer's coming. Summer's coming. Um, uh, strange things. Uh, what was the first track? Uh, yeah, "Man on the oh, Mount." Um, "Man on the Mountain." "Man on the, Man on the Mountain. Mountain." Yeah, yeah. That's an amazing track. There were, there were six tracks total, um, and uh, so we've we've been able to hear those. And yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah. fantastic. Well, <laughs> I, well, I've got, well, we're on the tracks. I mean. Um, I've got the keys to your horse. That's the first line on that tune that we just mentioned right now, Man on the Mountain. Well, that's where Mark King, out of nowhere, says, <laughs> how about this? <laughs> and we're still trying to figure out where the hell that came from. <laughs> that's sort of where we are, too, man. I mean, what what was happening with Mark? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was croaking away, you know, on whatever the uh, the lyric was at the time. And then yeah. suddenly he said, how about this? <laughs> you know, because of the low stakes, yeah. we were able to really reach out and do stuff, which yeah. made us laugh, right. lit us up, excited us, made us sad, mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. So that freedom of expression really resulted in a kind of a gamble, I suppose. You know, we just uh, threw a lot of stuff at the tape and had a lot of fun doing it. That's interesting. You know, you, you add your vocals to almost every track, and of course, you get support from Mark King occasionally. But uh, how comfortable were you in? Uh, have you been in the past in singing and storytelling with uh, within the song framework? You know, well, by a strange twist of fate, uh, I spent the last three years writing an opera, True, and what right. that actually looks like a guy writing an opera is a lot of singing. Mm-hmm. And I have to sing the darn thing yep. and um, act it as well as hitting notes. Yeah. So in the course of writing an opera, I had to kind of, my without even thinking about it, involuntarily learn how to sing. <laughs> and not only sing, but sell the story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I guess that's where all this singing came from. That's interesting. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a singer dude now. Oh, man. I'm starting to listen to like Elton John and stuff, you know. Yeah. Wow, I'm a singer now. (laughs) I never used to listen to singers or the lyrics or any of that stuff. I always listen to the groove, the riff, you know, the crash bang wallop. But now that I'm a singer guy, (laughs) I'm listening to Mick Jagger and stuff, you know. Wow, the dude can sing. (laughs) Even more to learn. You know your style, though, is is really that more of a, from a from a singing standpoint. It's it's more of a storytelling. You know, obviously, you're hitting the notes, but it's it's a kind of a cool uh, sort of storytelling. I don't know how did you describe it, Eddie? I, oh man, uh, you remember that one track um, that uh, somebody sort of story told on a song? I want to be a cowboy, and you can be a cowgirl. <laughs> remember that? Yippee yay! Who sang that? I don't know. No. <laughs> That's interesting. Hey, I've got a question. I should have been a cowboy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, um, going. We touched on lyrics a second ago, and but I just wanted to find out when you're in the studio and you guys are all collaborating and working on this together, who sort of led the lyrical path? Um, did you all really dive in and contribute, or was there one of you that really took the lead on on the lyrics for this? I think I wrote all of the lyrics. Okay, interesting. Um, all right. One song I co-wrote with Pat McDonald. 
ages ago. These are lyrics and songs that I had in my cookie jar for ever. Okay. You know, they say it takes you a lifetime to write your first album <laughs> and six months to write, you got to write your second album. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's been 16 years since I wrote my last album. So I've yeah. got these songs kind of building up and gathering in my cookie jar. And so I had them all ready to go when, when the band assembled. Well, we know this album isn't going to come out for a while, but we do want to talk about some of these tracks. And one is uh, Summer's Coming. It's an excellent track. And, you know, you and Mark are great together. And um, does, does Ad- do Adrian or Vittorio add vocals to this project or all? Or are yeah. they strictly? Oh, yeah. They're all mixed together. Okay. All right. See, they're all professional singers, which means that they blend together beautifully. Yeah. And my frog croaking sound kind of sticks out a mile, so that's why they put me in the verses, and they all come in for the beautiful choruses. <laughs> Very cool. That's hilarious. You know, some you know every now and then some actual singing comes in. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you guys went really old school with this thing. I mean, you talk about two Americans and a Brit, and you put them in a studio in Milan, and and you know we know that this is the day of file transfer and all that, but you guys wanted to be in a room. How long did it take for you guys to? To actually see the sparks start flying, I mean, when, how, how did the well, beginning? Well, right away. Really? Absolutely right away. As soon as we all get plugged in, we're blazing away on something. Wow. Really? And the, you know, it can only go downhill, but actually kind of sustained for all of our time together. Wow. Two sessions, you know, in the summer in uh, Navigli in Milano, Italy. <laughs> It's just a great place to be and a thing to do yeah yeah <laughs> so did you find any good restaurants in milan where, where did you eat the most where did you go oh all over the place <laughs> <laughs> i mean did did i understand this right this this to track all of this it took about two weeks right you did this in about yeah. a two-week time span well no two uh about two 10-day sessions okay give or take all right okay and plus we did some homework um Adrian came over here for some guitar overdubs, um, you know, various bits and pieces that we were sending back and forth. But the, ba- the basic backing tracks, those were all cut in a frenzy in those two periods. Yeah. Can you explain uh, w- which studio were you at? I mean, was this Claudio's studio or where were you at? Describe the studio and, and what you had, uh, you know. Some of it was uh, Officia Machina. Mm-hmm. I can't pronounce it right. Uh, uh, <laughs> a feat, I can't even that's why I can't remember the name because yeah. I can't pronounce it and the <laughs> other is at um, Vittorio's studio okay. he is a um, film composer and does music of all kinds he conducts he has a huge really wide array of stuff that he does you know just just in general you know they say that you know a, a painters are, are never you know quite finished with a piece of art how did you guys know when you were finished after oh, yeah. two 10-day sessions we're not finished yeah okay <laughs> as we're talking here today we're still it's you know we're finished i love it i have it in the car it's blasting i'm real really real happy yeah um there are no major things to do we're just thinking hmm should we cut this two bars there just to make it real slick or should mm-hmm. we let it breathe yeah yeah should we maybe hmm you know let's make that guitar solo really loud mm-hmm. um kind of thing okay all right cool it's not finished <laughs> the pain is still drying no, but it, will it be. is <laughs> no, to actually to answer your question you do know when you're done yeah, yeah. or i do anyway yeah you know you get it just right and yep. you don't want to mess with it anymore Yeah. And you're done. Okay. That's the track. Yeah. You will be stuck with for the rest of your life. (laughs) (laughs) The amazing thing is to think about 
that three minute take uh-huh. where we blaze through. We you know are, we have a very short attention span, and we know we have more other stuff to play with. So actually, we only did like two, three. I don't know if we ever got as far as four takes of anything before we're ready to pick one and start overdubbing. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And so these tracks, I know from experience, that three minutes of your life is printed in the ledgers of history (laughs) in stone forever. (laughs) (laughs) And whatever that drum fill was, that's the drum fill. You know, yeah. it's funny that you say that because sometimes when I listen to, you know, classic recordings, you know, the, the ones you've been listening to for 20, 30 years plus, I was sometimes put myself in, in that, think about the, the people in the studio at that moment. And, you know, it's just capturing that little sliver of time and, and it lasts forever. You yeah, know, it's, exactly. it's, it's kind of a cool thing to think about, you know, because we still all enjoy it. We still listen to it over and over and over again. You hear it everywhere. Right. And, um, but yeah, it was just that well, one. Well, the thing is, if you think about that, you'll get history fatigue. <laughs> That's right. Here in the studio recording. Is this the moment That's that right. we'll live forever in the annals of time? Or is this the moment? It could be. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I feel the moment coming on. Yeah, this is the moment. This That's is it. Right. Record. Yeah. That's interesting. Hey, I've got a question regarding the the drumming. What did this project offer you stylistically? I mean, did you discover any new territory? Stylistically, I get to muscle my way up to the front of the stage and sing the stuff. That's right. (laughs) You know, I just want to, seriously, I I wanted to know, you know, what, uh, you know, you, you went everywhere you know, on this project from a, from a drumming perspective. Um, anything about this surprise you as to what it offered you, the, the opportunities to, to do stylistically? Well, it was fun to be players who blaze, you know, as opposed to, yeah. you know, playing the song yeah. and, you know, a figure that's in support of the song. We had some really fun figures, great uh, riffs, great bass lines, great guitar lines that we could really rage on and, and way overplay. Because when you're making pop music, most of the time you're very disciplined. You don't want to get in the way of the song, and you want everything to be supportive. But when we're we were laying down the backing tracks, we weren't thinking about that. We were mm-hmm. just thinking of of riding it, taking it where it would go. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, singer dude, that's me, has to sing over this cacophony, <laughs> but it kind of works. Yeah. yeah. We've got a question uh, about the track "Strange Things Happen," and uh, could you just touch on that a little bit? Yeah, uh, it's it's a great track, and it's 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 unpredictable. Yeah. you know, it has a lot of interesting uh, uh, chord changes and things that happen within this track. Can you tell us how that one came about? That track goes back to the late '80s when I got an incoming call from Lucas Films, really, to write a bunch of songs for two television spinoffs from Star Wars. Ewoks and droids, and they wanted a bunch of songs. Wow. And I sent them a bunch of songs, um, which some of which they used and some not. This one here, not. So it went back into the cookie jar where it has sat for decades wow. until pulling it out. Actually, no, not completely. Um, I did record that song all by myself on a Clark Kent reissue added <laughs> really? track. Wow checkered history i've you know and, and also you know doing the summer shows in, uh-huh. with gizmo that was the one song where i'd go to the front of the stage and sing that thing strap on a guitar and sing something from the front yeah and uh one of the singers we had that summer he could play a bit of drums so he took over the drums and uh that's where i got the buzz of the microphone yeah 
Interesting. Well, hey, Stuart, this is kind of a unique position for us to be in because we're interviewing you about Gizmodrome pretty far in advance of the album's release. Mm-hmm. And um, so we really can't play tracks uh, from the album, you know, the ones we've been talking about or have been discussing because uh, you guys really aren't finished with them yet and uh, and they're, they're top secret at this point. <laughs> yep. So, uh, But we can play one track and it's a track that you guys have released to Facebook and some other forms of social media and it's the track Amaka Pippa. So let's go ahead and stop for a second and check this track out. And this is from our guest today, Stuart Copeland and his bandmates Vittorio Cosma, Mark King and Adrian Blue otherwise known as Gizmodrome, on Inside MusicCast.
how often, uh, I'm curious, there in your time with Vittorio and messing around and playing all these, you know, uh, loose gigs around Milan and, and wherever, um, how often do you dig into your your bag of, of old songs, if you would, uh, you know, and bring those up, uh, even though they've not even been recorded? Do you ever perform these and just bring them out? Just oh, to you, mess with which, them? which old songs? Uh, I mean... Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about the, the older songs that, that you've got in your in your repertoire that you have not recorded. I mean, you have... Old police songs, old Clark Kent songs. Whatever, yeah. We, yeah. That's what we used to play every summer. Gotcha, yeah. And some new songs as they would arrive, you know, pulled out of the cookie jar and we'd mess with some stuff. Yeah. Well, the track Stay Ready is, is one of my favorites and, and uh, Adrian has just an incredible guitar solo. Uh, oh, yeah. Towards Jeez. the, you know, three-fourths of the way through that that just blew my mind. It, it was He's such an amazing yeah. player in general. and, and uh, uh, Well, what, that one there, once we'd finished the song, we had done our job. Okay, that's the song, but the tape's still rolling and anyone feel like stopping? No, hey, let's take it higher. <laughs> yeah. So the whole end of that song is just, yeah. a, you know, is a jam. Yeah. And that's that's the same thing with uh, Amaka Amaka. Well, only Pippa. one take of that. Really? Holy wow. cow! <laughs> you know the guitars are also great on Amaka Pippa. Um, those are man, he does an amazing. Oh yeah, job. that guitar riff just oh, comes in blazing. It does. It it does. Um, did he or any of the other guys have trouble approaching this project? I mean, I know you were comfortable with the approach, but talk to us about Mark. You know, he's uh, you know he's uh, known for his funk Lever Forty Two approach, and and then he jumps into a whole new pool. How is Mark in uh, swimming in in your pool? Well, it never occurred to me till later that wait a minute, where's that three million dollar thumb? <laughs> he actually used the plectrum, I think, most of the time. Yeah. And he came up with a completely different version of Mark King that I don't think is wow. what people expect. But he's, you know, most of my best friends are bass players. Yeah. It just so happens. <laughs> I could list them for you, but it just happens that most of my chuckle buddies are bass players. Yeah. And I know they are all going to spoil themselves when they hear what Mark <laughs> King has come up with. Yeah. Well, we enjoy this. We hear, I mean, you know, we don't hear Mark King doing straight rock sometimes. Yeah. And, I mean, he shifts gears so many ways, and I'm like, and then still add some funk Well, he gets this. about three or four bass solos on the record. Oh, he does. Yeah. And if you go back to some of his, he had an early solo album. I can't, the name of it is escaping me. I think it came out in the late 80s. Uh, but he had a he had some uh, more well, obviously the early early level forty two mm -hmm, stuff was mm -hmm. a lot of fusion but um, you know he he really dives deep into his repertoire he too he's very funky obviously but man he can he can take off and play that's awesome but he can roll with the Afrobeat too yeah. there's some reggae riffs in there that he he's there right. are yep. that's right he commits with aplomb yeah oh very cool this has been a great chat we just I think this will be a a, a good sort of a precursor for everybody to to learn about this project and hopefully it creates a little buzz with our audience and uh, we really appreciate you spending time with us today absolutely the, uh, the album drops on September uh, 15th I believe and uh, is it just going to come out all the usual ways will it be on CD will it be on vinyl it'll be on CD and vinyl in fact the Sorry. record company vinyl is kind of one of their secret weapons they went out and bought all the vinyl pressing plants and vinyl is really what they do cool. is that what's the name of that company is it ear music is that the title is Ear it? music uh with adele okay very cool very neat well Stuart, thanks for the time you've yeah. given us today and it's great catching up with you and hopefully we can do it again soon absolutely sure thing all right all right next time i take a, a left turn or a right turn i'll be back <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you then take care all right, see you okay later. bye now thanks bye-bye Special thanks to Stuart Copeland for joining us on this episode of Inside Music Cast. We'd also like to thank our correspondents, Brian Pearson, Kim Riley, 
Scott Gross, Mikhail Ingstrom, Loretta Sassaman, Scott Sheriff, Don Brightham, Inka Oyelese, and Arnaud Legere for their support and content development. For the best in West Coast AOR, pop, jazz, and funk, tune in to Inside MusicCast Radio. Download the streaming app for Android and iOS devices, or listen at InsideMusicCast.com. Inside MusicCast is powered by Earshot Audio Post and Cabello Associates. For Eddie Cabello, I'm Rick Such. Thanks for listening to Inside MusicCast and Inside MusicCast Radio. Music